Amen. Now please know that the things I share with you today, I'm still working through. God is doing a sovereign work in my life in these areas. So I come to you in humility. I've not got it all sorted out. I'm still wrestling these things through. But I know I have to share these things with you this morning. I know that. The scripture I'd like to read to you, uh, the main scripture is John chapter 9, verse 4. Very familiar passage of scripture. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Now, do you hear that? Do you hear those words? I must work the works of him because the night comes when no man can work. I believe that Jesus is using that message about the night because he sees, he sees down the line that is, um, he's going to be arrested and he's going to be tried. And he's going to suffer that suffering upon the cross. He sees that. And so he knows that night comes. Just before this time, when he comes across the blind man, before he brings healing, there's a time when he was almost stoned. But yet he took that time and he stopped and healed the, the blind man. Nothing withhold him. Nothing stopped him. He had his face set like a flint to the cross. He was going to do the master's will, whatever it cost. The night comes when no man can work. Here in North America, we are complacent. Our Christianity has become easy. Our Christianity has become complacent. Why do I say that? Two weeks ago, I was ministering in Argentina. Now, Argentina, the economy is Shaking. In fact, the, the peso is almost collapsed. And I was waiting. I was expecting a shake-up. I was expecting a falling down of the economy. But it never happened. There were many people sleeping on the streets. There were many people filling the soup kitchen. But the economy never collapsed. And then I went to Chile, not expecting anything. But we're living in a time of suddenlies. We're living in a time of suddenlies. And when I got into that country, the Holy Spirit reminded me of the scripture. I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. And then he added two words after that through the Holy Spirit. He said, very quickly, very quickly, that arrested my soul. I'd paid heed to that. Why are you saying that in terms of Chile? And on my heart was echoing the words, prepare, prepare. And then suddenly, it happened. They burned the bank of, of Chile, the bank of the Chile in Santiago. That was the beginnings. And then over the course of three days, that whole country was engulfed. Engulfed and people protesting, engulfed with, with military on the streets. They were using rubber bullets. They were rampaging supermarkets, emptying them out and, and 
totally destroying them. People were being killed. The first people were killed in Chile were four people, and they were burned alive in a, um, I think it was a laundrette. The night comes when no man can work. It happened suddenly. It was instant. What was it I was going to do? And as I saw time progress, it got worse and worse and worse. Suddenly it was in Santiago, then it spread down to Valparaiso, and then in other cities. In the, in the city I was, sit, I was in, they had destroyed the supermarket totally. They ransacked it. Nothing was left on the shelves. And then in the pharmacy, they were going to break into that. It happened. There were people protesting on the streets. There was burnings. I could see the smoke come up. At 6 o'clock, we had to be home. 6 o'clock every night. The curfew was in. And you could only get on the road at 8 o'clock. The night comes when no man can work. Oh, you say that happens over in South America. That's not stable. Chile was one of the most stable economies in South America. And yet, it became a flame with people rioting and protesting. There's about 20 people, I believe, who died. Some people say on Facebook, there's 60 people died. I must work the works of him. I must do this. I must fulfill the mandate. I must take every opportunity I have. The flight out was on Monday, but I could not get out. The, uh, the road to the airport was chocker full, chocker full of, of lorries and trucks, and they were protesting. There was no way I could get through. And then, indeed, if I got to Santiago, the road to the actual airport, there were protesters on there, and the people and they had to be moved out by the police. And on that very day, Monday, there was 5,000 people in that airport trying to get out, jam-packed. They could not get out. What was I going to do? Suddenly, I was faced with reality. I would not be able to see my family again. I would not be able to come back to Canada. I would not be able to see all my friends. I had only a credit card. I had no cash. The credit card would probably not be of any use. But he kept saying to me, trust me, trust me, trust me. See, God is refining us, and he's bringing us to a place when we come to absolute soul dependence and trust on him. Our finances will not be able to do it. It will not. We can only solely trust in him. Nothing else. And then I was given some money, and I had to buy groceries for this family I was staying with. I went to a local store, there's a small supermarket, and all the vegetables were rotten. And the fruit were rotten. Because most of the food was on that highway, shot in those vans and lorries. People protesting. See, it's happened in Bolivia. It's happened in Venezuela. It's happening across South America. God is shaking the world up. And we need to be about the Father's business. We are so free, but dangerously free. Dangerously free. I sent an email out, and many intercessors prayed for me to get out. And he kept saying, trust me, trust me, trust me. It was a miracle of God that I got my flight rebooked, and I can't come, can't come back here. It's a miracle of God. That was the first miracle. 
and the actual day we, we had booked the flights, that road was clear, as if God had opened up the Red Sea for the Israelites. He'd done it for us. And we went to the airport, and it was absolutely no transport on that road. Glory to his name. Or in Spanish, gloria a Dios. Glory to his name. And I came home. I came home to Canada, and I could kiss the ground of Swanto Pearson Airport. I could feel and taste the freedom. I could. But it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Are we aware of the times we're living in? Things can change overnight, very quickly. We want revival. We want a move of God. But first, it has to start with us. It has to be awakening in our souls. Am I doing everything I can for the kingdom of God? And the truth be known, in many cases, it's not. We are not. Redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. You see, many of us are falling asleep. Complacency allows us to sleep. Christianity in the West allows us to sleep. It doesn't cost much. There's not much cost to it. It's easy. Squandering time. That was the first area he spoke to me. We are squandering time. Each one of us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16 says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeem the time, because the days are evil. But do we redeem the time? Do we make use of every hour that we take breath? Do we not know that our lives belong to him? Every breath we take is a gift from him. I've lost my life almost several times. God, I've been close to the place of dying, yet I'm here today. My time is on borrowed time. On borrowed time. I know that the hour is urgent. Colossians chapter 4 says this, verse 5, walk in wisdom towards them that without, redeeming the time. Outside there's multitudes, multitudes going to a lost eternity. But do we really care? Are we motivated to reach out to them? Who was the last person you reached out to to share the gospel? Who was the last one? Was it today? Was it yesterday? For me, every day, I've got to share the gospel. I have to find someone who is desperate. I'm looking for that. But do we really care? We see we get cocooned. We get isolated. Redeeming the time. Squandering the time. You see, in heaven, there's like a screen. And every day, what is done is on that screen for each one of us. Now, would, we, would I be willing for you to see what I did yesterday on that screen? Would you be willing for everyone here to see what you did yesterday? It's all seen in the heavenly realm. Everything. All our actions, all our words spoken, what we have and what we haven't done. Squandering time. We're wasting time. And time is ticking away. Why did he say very quickly in Chile, one of the most secure nations in South America, 
and I come back here, and I'm very, and I'm feeling I'm starting to slip into the apathy in this nation. Forgive me, Lord. Wake me up again. Wake me up again. Technology. Technology has invaded our homes and our lives. I cannot understand why I go to believers' houses and they have the TV on, the cable on, from the moment they get up to the moment they go tonight. This, the evils of society have been spewed out through that TV. And we're absorbing it. We're taking it in. We're stalling in our hearts. TV is an idol. TV is an idol. Did God, did Jesus give you permission? Did he tell you to get a TV in your house? Whoa. Whoa. If he hasn't, you need to think about getting rid of it. How can you sit there watching cable, the filth of society, and still yet serve him? How can we do it? We've been ensnared in this. And the internet, the internet has captured us. Cell phones, cell phones. If you wake up in the morning and the first thing you go to is your cell phone to check your emails, there's something wrong. There's something wrong because you need to be in the presence of him. You need to be greeting him. You need your heart to be knitted to him. Cell phones. I have a cell phone. I have an old Samsung S3. I have to upgrade it. But I'm cautious. I don't want to remain captive to that. I don't want to be. Because now we come to ministry, and ministry is done on cell phones. No. Ministry is done on your knees and face-to-face -face with individuals. Be careful. Be careful. Because the more we spend on technology, the more we spend on that, the less we are able to hear that still small voice. What's he spoken to you today? What's he spoken to you today? What's he gently whispered to you today? Have you heard that small, gentle voice? Scripture says, day and night, heaven pours for speech. And our ears need to be attentive to what he's saying. Some of us need to make a choice and fast from our cell phones. Fast from your TVs. Shut them off. Shut them off. I was in Chile and I was ministering there to some Jewish people and there's a dear young boy and, I, and you could see he, he was struggling, struggling. He was bound. And we prayed for him and he got set free. And the area of concern was the internet, the cell phone. And I challenged him, could you please pull away from that for half a day? Could you leave it alone for half a day? And he said, I can't. I can't. So I said, okay, let's break it down in a couple of hours. And I told his parents, but they need to take that cell phone away from him. And slowly, by, slowly bit by bit, he got free. He got free. Idols. Idols. And we make excuses. Oh, I need it for work. I need it for ministry. We make excuses. I'm not saying we shouldn't have them. But be careful. Be careful. Technology in the West is ensnaring us. And we're losing 
that still small voice, that beautiful presence of him. And we know that the global powers are using technology to bring us into captivity. They're taking control over us. I want to be subject to the Most High. I want to be led by him. I do not want to be driven and led by technology. Do you have to answer every email? Do you? Do you have to go scouring across the net, internet? Why? How many hours do you waste in a day doing this? Precious, precious time. God, it can't be redeemed. It can't be brought back. It's lost. Today is a day when you can make a difference. But are you choosing that, to do that? Or is this another day of normalcy? Forgive us, Lord, when we don't use every day as a gift. I'm on borrowed time. I know that. I'm getting towards the finishing mark, and I want to burst through that finishing mark. And so do you. So do you. Complacency. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Don't let entertainment bring you into a complacent state. Turn it off. Turn it off. Lovers of pleasure rather than the lovers of God. Timothy says that. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4. How many hours do you watch TV or surfing the net? How much? How much? See, are we living our lives in the light of eternity? Are we conscious that whatever we do, whatever we do, what prayers we say is all being recorded in heaven? And one day, each one of us could be standing in the judgment seat of Christ, and that verdict will be final. There's no second verdict. What is done here on earth has eternal consequences. Eternity. It's final. Game over. But are we living the light of that? It challenges me that John, the closest apostle to Jesus, he led his, put his hand, up, his head upon his, on his chest. Listen to him, he was the closest. And yet, when he saw Jesus in his glorified state, he fell down as if dead. And if that's John, the apostle, what am I going to do when I see him? What am I going to do? Complacency. Complacency. If you could see the future, if you could see how little time you have left, you will not be living the life that you are now. You would not. You would not. You wouldn't. Don't think it cannot happen here. Don't think that Canada is protected. Don't think that. It is happening in every nation to one degree or another. Every nation is being shooken up. There's a sense of chaos emanating in governments, in churches, everywhere. Chaos, disorder, rebellion against authority. And those seeds are already in place in this land. You are free for a season, for a season. Use that time wisely. The people in Chile were shocked 
and amazed how this could, only, this could happen. They couldn't believe it. All it was, there was just a slight increase in the metro fare. And then suddenly there was all this rioting. They burned 30 metro stations down to the ground. 30 of them, overnight. Can this, can this happen here? I don't know. Could it happen in the United States? Yes, it could. Why did he allow me to come home? Why? To tell you this. Wake up. Wake up. Redeem the time. Use the time that you have to make a difference. Dangerously comfortable Christianity. That's what we're living. That's what we're living. See, my brothers and sisters overseas, their lives are not very comfortable. Do you know the greatest presence I felt of Christ was in a small room in a place called Valparaiso in Chile. That room was packed out with Jewish individuals who knew the Lord, who knew the Messiah. And even on the stairs going up, the children were sitting down. The presence of God was so strong, all I could do was weep, weep and cry. And yet they asked me to come up and share. How could I do that? We need the presence of God back in our lives. We need it back in our tabernacles. We need it back in our hearts. See, God is interested in your heart. When God gave instructions to Moses to build a tabernacle, it was from the inside out. It's from the tabernacle, the place where he dwells. He's interested in it. How much fire is there? Are you getting lukewarm? All of us, to one degree or another, have to fight even stronger, stronger to maintain that fire, that passion, that zeal. Because it says, because it warns us, many, the love of many will grow cold. Is your love growing cold? And that needs a brutal assessment. My love is growing cold in measure. But he's challenging me. He says, no, no, you need to change. There's little cost in our lives. Little cost. Western Christianity, there's little cost. There isn't. And yet, two-thirds of the world are being persecuted. Two-thirds, our brothers and sisters, are being persecuted. Don't think it will not happen here. During the communist years, when the Russians were in prison, the Christians, guess what they prayed? They prayed for persecution to come to North America. Do you think God's not going to answer those prayers as they've been tortured and whipped and their bodies have been mutilated in those prisons during the communist era? Do you think God was not going to hear those prayers? He will answer. Because we need it. You see, we want revival, but that may be costly. There may be persecution. Are we prepared for that? Are we prepared for that? And you know, the Holy Spirit just asked me to tell you, told me to ask you that question again. Are you prepared for persecution? We need to get spiritually prepared. He has been preparing me for some time for this. My life is not my own. It's not. I may have to lay my life down, literally. I may have to go to prison. Some of you may have to go to prison. Jesus says this, and he said to him, for whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, shall lose it. 
And yet Christianity here says, you look after your life. You look after number one. Don't deny yourself. Self-actualization. Be careful. Be careful. We're following the Messiah. We're following Christ. And he gave everything. He gave all upon that cross, upon that stake for us. His very breath, his very body, everything. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake will find it. See, some families overseas, they prepare their children. In, communist, in Muslim countries, they know, as believers, they could be arrested. They know their daddy could go to prison. They know whatever could happen, and they prepare their children for it. Is this sound far-fetched? No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. We need to take off our cross daily. Yes, we are in grace. But we've lost the meaning of grace. We've lost it. In many cases, it's become sensuality of every kind. It's a license to do whatever under grace. Do a study of grace. Right from the beginning to the end. Right from the bearer's sheet, right from Genesis, right to Revelation. And you'll find that there's requirements in terms of grace. There is. You think we believe we're fine, everything's okay. But Paul exhorts us to examine ourselves. I need to examine myself daily. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you're not your own selves. How that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. I need that heart examination. And I'm praying now as I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit is convicting you in areas that you need to yield up and surrender and turn away from. Because it's slowly ebbing away and putting out the fire in your life for the kingdom of God and for Jesus. See, complacency is a slippery slope. It is. It just slowly leads us into indifference of the things of Christ and his kingdom. Lukewarmness is another word for complacency. Is your heart lukewarm? Or is it on fire? Only you know that. Only the Holy Spirit can reveal that to you. Is it lukewarm or is it on fire? See, if we think we're doing okay spiritually, that could be a sign that we're complacent. I'm not doing okay spiritually. I'm wrestling for these areas. I want more of him. I want to redeem a time. I want to hear those words, well done, you good and faithful servant. I need to fight against the flesh on a daily basis. I need to look for souls on a daily basis. On a daily basis, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I'm concerned. Coming back here in Canada, I'm more the concern for Canada than ever before. Ever before. See, God is bringing us to a place of total, utter dependence on everything. In everything. In every area of your life. Oh, I'm retired. I've got my savings. You can lose that overnight. You can lose that overnight. I've got money to go down and buy some things in the grocery store. Don't assume you can do that. Don't assume you can do that. We're either moving forward 
or a slurry going backwards. You can't be stationary in this walk with him. Where are you going? Are you moving forward? Are you progressing? Are you, are you stagnating? Are you stagnating? You see, complacency brings a loss of intimacy with Christ. That's the first result of complacency. We lose that intimacy with him. If I'm losing that intimacy, that's a sign to me that I'm getting complacent, again, half-hearted, again, becoming indifferent. Why is he saying this? Because he loves you so much. He doesn't want you to be in this state. He wants you to be on fire and passionate and zealous and close to him. If any time you need to be close to him, it is now. It is now. When I was in Chile, I had to be so close to him. When we went out, when we went out from the house, we had to go out in twos. Because you never know what could happen. And the danger is then slowly as we become complacent, we be, become less part of his plans and purposes. We miss it out. What's his plan and purpose? What's his vision in your life? It's on a daily basis. It's on a daily basis. You live for him today, he will take care of the rest and he will lead you from glory to glory to glory. Amen? Today, make a difference. Make a difference. Don't go out the doors, go back home and live the same life you did as you did yesterday. If you do, then my time is wasted. It is wasted. It is wasted. You see, our hearts, it's a condition of our hearts. It's a condition of our hearts. Joel chapter 2, verse 13 says this. And rend your heart. Rend it. And not your garments. And turn unto the Lord your God. For he's gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. And repented him of the evil. You see, our hearts become hardened over passage of time. What? Through deceitfulness of sin. 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 We get used to it. We accept it. So our hearts become fallow and hardened. And when, I, when the ground is fallow and hardened, the seed of God's word can't penetrate. It can't get in it. It can't germinate. Sometimes we need to plow the Holy Spirit to get into our hearts, to open them up, to rake it up, to break up that foulness and hardness. We need it. We need it. We need it. I need it. This is all for me. I need it. What's the sign of a heart which is less hard? Often tears. Tears. When was the last time you, you, you wept? You are moved, moved to a place of tears. If I'm not crying, not emotionally, if I'm not crying, I notice there's something going in my heart. My heart is getting hard. I'm missing divine appointments. I'm not being obedient to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. What's the state of your heart? What's the state of your heart? Is it lost? You know, the heart of God is broken. It is broken. It is broken. The heart of God is broken. Somebody, a young boy had a dream of 
a dust storm, a sandstorm. And in the midst of that dream, God spoke to him, this is my heart. It's been broken so many times. It is as like fine sand in a sandstorm. God's heart is a broken heart. And as you get into the word and read the the word, then you see the heart of God. Are we connected with that? Are you and me connected with the heart of God that we feel his pain, we feel his anguish, and we feel that brokenness in his heart? When he sees the world in the state it is, when he sees the church in the state it is, his heart is grieved. His heart is broken, yet he's moved with compassion. So I pray, Holy Spirit, allow the plow of your Holy Spirit to come in these hearts, to break these hearts up, to soften these hearts, that they may be connected with you. They may know your brokenness. They may know your heart. Is your heart connected with the heart of God? If it is, you'll probably be weeping and crying for a long time. Somebody somebody wanted to know the heart of God for Israel. And he said, do you really want to know that? And they prayed for him. He was on the floor weeping and crying for a long time. We need to get connected with the heart of God. We need to know that brokenness and his burden. Next one. This is quite heavy, isn't it? But we need it. We need it. I need it. You need it. Burden for the lost. We've lost it. We've lost it. Statistics say I think it's less than 2 or 3% of believers in North America evangelize. Less than 3%. Something radically wrong here. And then we wonder why the church is in the state it is. Because we're not actively getting out there evangelizing. Making him known. How can we not make him home knowing the lover of our souls? who gave everything for us, everything. How can we be quiet when it's more easy to do? When I came back to Canada, the the thing I noticed straight away was everybody was nice and thankful. Niceties. Pleasantries. That's good. That's good. But sometimes we've got to be bold. Um, The gospel causes offense. It causes offense. But are we willing to, to be offended for the sake of Christ? See, if we, not, if we don't confess him down here, we will not be confessed up there. What reward will there be in heaven if we're not confessing him down here, if we're not witnessing? Are you actively looking for souls? Those who are hungry, desperate? I haven't reached out to one today. Yesterday, the Lord spoke to gave me three individuals. Not to say that I'm anything special, no. But to me, I had to make a difference, an eternal difference every day. What was the heart of the mission? What was the heart and mission of Jesus? He came to seek and save those who are lost. You were once lost. You were once, once in, going to the world of lost eternity. You were bound for hell. But somebody came and prayed for you and spoke to you the word of God about the message of the gospel. And you responded, glory to God. Somebody did it. Somebody paid that price for you. 
took their time out. But do we really care? In our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighbors. Are we reaching out to them? Are we praying for them? 151,600 people die every day. Every day. How many people are going to a lost eternity right now as I'm speaking? How many? I don't know. 105 people, they say, every minute slip away to a lost eternity. They die. They die. I've been here 35 minutes. That's over 3,000 people die. Doesn't that move you? If your heart is not moved by that, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Nearly two people die every second. Two people die every second. And we know the only way into the kingdom of God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way. There is no other way. There's no other way. They enter into eternity, either to be with him or to be excluded from him. There's no revival unless we're burdened for the lost. We cannot have revival unless we are broken for the lost. Unless we are passionate for the lost. It cannot happen. Any true revival, there has to be soul saved. Otherwise, no, not a revival. You see, we need our hearts broken for the lost. I need my heart broken for the lost. I do. I do. Yes, I can go witness, okay, but am I feeling the love of God for that person? Do I feel his compassion? Am I moved in my heart? How many divine appointments have we missed? How many divine appointments have we missed in our life? Because we were not listening. Because we were too preoccupied. Because we were too busy. How many? There might even be some this morning we missed. Because we didn't hear him. Go to that store there. Or stop over there. We missed him. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us how we grieve your Holy Spirit. Forgive us, Lord. We miss these divine appointments. Always we've, we've made excuses. It's not, it's not the right time. It's not the right opportunity. It's not comfortable. It wasn't comfortable for Jesus. It wasn't. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive me. We've grieved the Holy Spirit in that area. We've grieved him. Today, make a change. Some, some of you, there may be individuals God's been speaking to, to you about. Go and tell that person. You've been putting it off, procrastinating. Don't procrastinate. Go and do it. Go and do it. There's nothing more satisfying for testifying of him. Or witnessing. Or say, well, how can you do this? When I came in the kingdom, I stammered and stuttered. I was so insecure. I had no friends. God had to change my life. And what he did, he took me door to door. He said, you go door to door witnessing. Even with the dogs, you go and do it. So if you can do it for me, you can do it for you. Amen?
Amen. Break our hearts for the lost. Break our hearts for the lost. See, there's a harvest which is happening. We're in the end times. Israel is a nation. God has sovereignly done that. 1948, he's brought about that nation against all odds. He's planted that nation. He's bringing his people home. It's all happening before our eyes. Jews are coming out from um, North America because they know the time is running out. From every nation in the world, they're coming back to settle in the land, waiting for that time when the Messiah is coming. How close are we to Ezekiel 38? Very close. All the players are in place. How come the government of, of Israel is in a state of chaos, in a state of flux? Nobody really is in a position of leadership. Because the enemy is waiting. Because when they will strike, when Israel is not prepared. Like us, the enemy will strike when we are not prepared. We've got to be prepared. The time is amazing times we're living. These things are happening before our very eyes, and yet we carry on. We carry on our lives as if it doesn't make any difference. Behold, that word was said last night, behold, 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 he's coming soon. And I felt that even when I was walking up and down there. Do my people really know that? Jesus wants to say that to me. Do my people really know this? See, we hear it in our heads, but it's not in our hearts. Because in our hearts, we would not be the same. How many more days and years do you have to live? How many? You do not know. And yet we squander our time. How many more times, how many more days do we have, years do we have of freedom? You see, our freedoms are being impinged bit by bit by bit by bit by bit here in Canada. And we're not aware of it. So I do ministry throughout the whole world, and I know it's getting more difficult. Every day it's getting more difficult to get the word of God into the nations. It is. But God. But God. The night comes when no man can work. That should revolutionize us. That should change us. That should impact us. I want to make a difference today. Not tomorrow, today. 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 See, the enemy knows the harvest is ripe. He knows that. And so he's doing everything he can to stop us, to hinder us, to frustrate us, to bring things in our lives to get off, off that narrow path. It's getting narrower and narrower. The remnant is getting smaller and smaller. But I want to be counted worthy. Worthy to be part of that remnant. The one, to those who hold on to him to right to the very end. Willing to lay their lives down, whatever. See, the enemy knows that. And yet we're asleep in the harvest field. We're asleep in the harvest field. We are. The greatest harvest is beginning to happen, already happening, and we're missing it because the Jews are coming to faith. The Jews are coming to faith. There's rabbis in Israel, and they secretly meet together because they know Yeshua, Hamashiach, is, is alive. In fact, he's turned up to and revealed himself to them. It's happening. Jewish people are coming to the faith. That's the sign. That's a pointer that his return is nigh. 
Jewish people coming and leaving the lands and going back home to Israel. That's another pointer. There's so many signs. And yet we remain indifferent, unmoved by, by in, in, quite like Peter. This should galvanize us to action. We see it all around us. England, why come? Brexit, can't sort it out. The Deutsche Bank in Germany, one of the biggest banks in Germany, which probably holds the, the European Union together, is collapsing. I'm not concerned about that. No. I set my eyes on the kingdom of God. But I choose to make a difference while I have time. How long can we have charitable status? I don't know. How long can we meet in a church like this? I don't know. I say all this in love. Please hear that. Not in any sense of condemnation, accusation. I'm saying this in love. I came out of Chile miraculously. And this is the message I have to share. It's time to wake up. It's time for me to wake up. It's time for you to wake up. Because the night is fast approaching when we cannot work and do the things that we can do. Some of us get weary. The enemy knows that. He's trying to wear us out. That's the track of the enemy. To overwhelm us. Overwhelm us. Daniel 7, verse 25 says this. And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hand until a time and a times and a dividing of times. So this primarily speaks about the persecution of believers during the tribulation period. But we know that the Antichrist spirit, the spirit which is opposite to the kingdom of God, is working and pervading every strata of society. And it is weighing out the saints by consistent attacks. I know that. The attacks in my life are consistent. Daily. Daily. And some of us are getting weary of this continual battle. Some of us are, but he wants to refresh us. He wants to empower us. He wants us to, to touch us again so we can go out and make a difference. There is an end-time demonic strategy against all the believers to hinder, frustrate, and stop them from fulfilling the call of destiny in each of our lives. What's the destiny calling in your life? The enemy knows that and seeking every way to stop you. Distractions, distractions, distractions. That's what he will use to get you off that path. It comes in many different ways. It comes in different, many different ways. So you need to be aware of the strategy of the enemy, seeking to wear the saints of the Lord out. Okay? Many, many believers have attacks on their bodies, physical onslaughts. I've had many. Felt God has brought me through every one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Light the fire again. Light the fire again. Stir up those embers in our hearts. May the wind of your Holy Spirit come on those embers and reignite those embers. Consume us with your presence. Bring a greater fear in our lives of you. Do you tremble? Do you shake 
when you read the Word of God. I tremble when I read some passages of scriptures. I tremble. So we should. So we should. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We're exhorted. Work it out. Be careful. Just don't assume everything's okay. Don't assume that. Examine yourselves with the word of God. Let it be the mirror to you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Light the fire. Light the fire. Light the fire. Light the fire. Again. Again. You remember when you came into the kingdom? You were so zealous. You couldn't stop reading the word of God day and night. You couldn't stop witnessing. Everywhere you went, you had to share about your faith. You didn't care what people said. You didn't mind what people said. You just did it. He wants that again. Yes, with more maturity, with more wisdom, yes. But he wants that again. He who confesses me before man will be confessed in the heavenly realm. What record is there in the heavenly realm? You say, yes, Christ has done it all. Yes, absolutely he's done it all. But be careful. Be careful. Be careful. There's scriptures in there which warn us. You didn't do these things. Okay, you never fed me when I was hungry. You never visited me when I was in prison. You never clothed me when I was naked. I say to you, depart from me, I never knew you. What does that mean? He's talking, I think, context about the Jewish people. Whoa. I think so. Or the, or the, uh, the, the uh, servant, okay, who was given um, a coin, and he didn't invest it, he didn't use it wisely, it was unprofitable. Where did he have to go? Where did he have to go? To a lost eternity. To, to a place that... See, Christ spoke a lot about hell, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Amen? It's sobering, isn't it? It's sobering. All the, the ten virgins, waiting, looking, for the, waiting for the bridegroom. Like us, with the oils in the lamp. Five had oil in their lamp, five did not. And the night came when he went out. Ready. Look, listening to that shofar but he couldn't find their way. There had no oil left in their lamp. And he went to those who had oil, and no, they couldn't give it. And they were shut out. Wow. I tremble at the word of God. Do you tremble at the word of God? If you don't, you've lost the fear of him. You've lost the fear of him. You've lost the fear of him. Yes, he loves us. He's close to us. He's intimate with us. But he's a God of consuming fire. He's a God of consuming fire. My life will be on that altar. It will be, will it go, it will go for the fire. It will go for the fire. What is done for him, for his kingdom, for his glory, for, for his kingdom alone, with the right motives, it will go for the fires and come forth as pure gold. Silver. That which is of no consequence, 
that which is of self, that which is of the flesh, will be utterly burned up like wood, hay, and stubble. You see, I could say all these things, well, what am I doing every day? I can come to church and do the prayers. I, I, can, I can sleep in church. What about every day? What happens when you go home? What about that side of life? He sees it all. He sees it all. See, if you come to church, you're not living it out. You're in a dangerous place. You're in a dangerous place. You're in a dangerous place if you don't live out some of the things I shared this morning or changing in your life. Don't justify your sins. Don't. I can't justify my sins in light of these things. I'm, I'm guilty in many of these areas. Guilty. I stand before you guilty. But I've confessed them, and I'm working through them, and I'm fighting. David justified his sins for a whole year, for a whole year, until God sent Nathan the prophet to warn him, to wake him up, to speak into his life. Wake up. And I say that as that echoes in my spirit, in the depths of my soul. I heard that in Chile. And then he said, very quickly that night will come. And so it is. I don't know what's happening in Chile now. At one stage, there was one million people protesting on the streets. The hospitals are full of, of, of people with lost eyes because of rubber bullets. There's a lot of things you don't know are happening in that country which the media won't tell you because it shuts down the outlet. It's happened there against all odds. Wake up. Use the time. Use the time he's given you, that precious, precious gift wisely. Today. Today. Get yourselves right. I'll be the first one down there getting right with God, the first one. Because I know, as I bring this, I'm going to be judged more severely. I know that. I know that. I'll be the first one. If I share these things I'm not doing in my life, it's hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. But I'm working on them, and I know these things. I can tell you a lot more things God has shown me. A lot more. He's given me dreams. A lady, and a friend of mine, had a dream, and she, she's an intercessor. I share this. And what she saw, she saw a tank. Okay, It was an armored vehicle. This was in Canada. And this armored vehicle had come into the place where they were, and it, it was simply mowing over people. And I'm not going to go into any more of the dream, but she saw that. About four or five days later, or sometime later, she saw exactly the same armored vehicle which she'd seen that dream coming up the coming up the road with a police car behind it. That was in Canada. Wow. Wow. That, I'm not going to say any more. Be not to fear. Do not fear. But let's get on with it. We're playing around. We'll be lulled to sleep. Let's wake up and make a difference. Otherwise, there's no revival. There's no revival. You can cry and you can weep, but if you don't go and do it, you don't, prayer is cheap if you don't go and do it. Obedience. Obedience in every area of your life. 
We need a fresh baptism of obedience. That's how you hear the voice of God. When you just push it aside, then you're less likely to hear that small, still voice. You're less likely to have that intimacy with him. Some has been disobedient. Yes? Say that echo my spirit. You've been disobedient. And when you're disobedient, what Scripture says, it means you open yourself up to powers of darkness. It just adds the sin of rebellion. You have to go back and get it sorted out where you've been disobedient. I know this. I know this in my own life. I cannot be disobedient. When my master, the king of the universe, tells me to do it, I've got to do it. No questions asked. Whatever he says, I've got to do it. That should be us. We are bond slaves, servants. We have no right. Materialism is another area in our lives. It undermines us. It sucks the life out of us. We are woefully rich. I am woefully rich. You are too. You are too. There's, there's pastors living on $20 a month full-time for the kingdom of God. We have so many versions of the scriptures. As many pastors overseas don't even have a Bible. Are we bothered? Are we concerned about that? I have no end of scriptures at home, but I should be moved. I should be disturbed by that. That's why I get the word of God out to every place I can get it out, to those who are hungry. We are woefully rich. I remember in the Philippines, young kids come forward. I told, told them about the Great Commission. They came forward, and this was in a church outside, bare floor, plastic seats, only one microphone, one, one guitar. They came forward, weeping and crying. I will go. I will go wherever God calls me to go. But you knew the reality was that not many would go because they had no money. They had no money. They'd probably walk it. They'd probably walk it. But here in North America, when it's a call to go, very few come to the altar. Very few. They had nothing. They had absolutely nothing except him, and yet they weren't to go. The Great Commission applies to every one of us to go into all the world. It's not just here. See, well, I'm called to Ferriton. You were called to Ferriton? No. You're called to the world. There's that mandate. Go into all the world and make disciples. Amen? I go to wherever he calls me to go. Even if I don't come back. I'm prepared for that. A lot of things being shared. Money. It's his. It's his as a loan. I was given $13,000 once. $13,000. I thought, whoa, oh, what can I do with that? My mind was going berserk. But what I could do with it? A man came to me. Came to me. He was an ex-drug addict. And he see many of his friends being buried. He came to me and said, Alan, um, all that we have belongs to God. What? And the Holy Spirit took that, zoom, right into my heart. That money I've given to you, and I'll show you where it's got to go. And it went all over the place for the kingdom of God. It's his. It's his. It was his. And he's given me back more so I can go and get send others out in the mission field. Amen? Amen. Okay, a lot's been shared. Close in prayer, and then the altar is open, and I'm going to be the first one here.
the first one here. And if you feel that tug in your heart to get right with God, come up to the front. Do it. I'm not going to be praying for you. It's between you and God. I think all of us should be here, really. All of us. Father, anything I said which is not of you, I pray that you would take it away. Take it away. Father, I pray, I pray, Father, the Lord, my dear brothers and sisters, that you will awaken them soberly. You will awaken them, each one of them, Lord, to make a difference. Lord, I pray, shake off the apathy. Shake off the laziness. Shake off the complacency in their lives. Do a deep work in their lives. Set them free from the lovers, lovers of pleasure. Lord, set them free from the internet. Lord, from the TV. Set them free, Lord God. Lord, give them a fresh burden and passion for souls. Oh, God. Father, we send, I ask you to send them out, Lord God, in, into the harvest field to make a difference, to see your kingdom come. Give them an urgency. Give them an urgency, Lord God, an urgency of the times we're living in, the shortness of time we have left to do the kingdom of God work. Show them that, Lord God. Wake them up to that. Help them to make a difference every day for your glory, for your honor, for your praise. Amen and amen, amen, amen.